It's said that your real life begins where your comfort zone ends. Well, it's about to get real as we have radically authentic conversations to help you thrive in your personal and professional life while navigating the twists and turns of being human. Buckle up, because this might get uncomfortable. Starts right now with Whitney Lordson. Today, I'm discussing a subject matter that's only come up a few times on this podcast. And I think it's just because it's something I'm pretty ignorant on. And it's really nice to bring on somebody who's knowledgeable, experienced, can teach me something and can hopefully teach you, the listener, something as well. And that is the subject of guns. And I think the only time I've talked about any type of weapon was probably about two years ago, and it was with a man, a male guest on the show. Today, I have a female guest on the show that talks and specializes in, written many books on women using guns, guns for women for protection, I believe. But Paxton, I would love to hear from you. How do you describe exactly what you do? Do you call it protection, safety, or is it just whatever place guns have in a woman's life? I think it's all of those things. A lot of it is talking about women's fears. There are so many women out there that are uncomfortable. Many women work at night. They're on the night shift. There are even more and more women who are living alone, as well as many women have children and don't have a male companion. And so they're by themselves, and they have to come to the realization that not only do they have to protect themselves, but also their children. And I have to be honest with you, when I started writing this book, and that was the first time that I wrote was actually more than 20 years ago. And it was really a big, big thing about a woman writing a book about guns. I mean, before it was just people thought about men with guns. And this was now a whole new introduction that there were actually many, many, many women in the United States that owned guns for self-protection. And it wasn't just in Texas or in the South, but it was women in Chicago, in New York, Oklahoma, and it's all over the country. And of course, over the years, it's just become larger and larger and larger. And initially, it was mostly, shall we say, Caucasian women who were buying guns. But now there's been a real influx of Black women, as well as Asian women, who are buying guns and are realizing that they need protection and in many cases are fearful. And and a lot of times it's because a neighborhood they may live in. Or if there are some men out there that haven't been so, shall we say, kind to them. So there's so many reasons now why women today are interested in learning how to shoot a gun. And more than that, I think it comes from the freedom that we now have that we didn't have before. And so women are looking in different directions, how to expand their knowledge, expand what they're doing in life. And I never thought that I would even ever write a book about women and guns, because I've got to tell you, just before I started writing the book, there was something that happened in my life 
that made me change. And I'd like to tell you the story because that was the impetus for me to go ahead and write the book. This was in Los Angeles, in a very nice neighborhood of Los Angeles. And I get a call from my best friend at about two o'clock in the morning. And she says to me, you got to come over. You got to come over immediately. Something horrible has happened. Something horrible has happened. So what's horrible? She says, you just got to come over. And I said, well, tell me, tell me. And she says, there was a man that broke into my house. So the story goes, she's sound asleep. It's about two o'clock. She lives in a two-story home, but there are different roofs. And she had the window open, not a lot, but it was on the second story. So she really wasn't that worried that someone would ever climb up and break into her home. This guy opened up the window. She was sound asleep. And the first thing she heard was a noise. And she was startled. And the man came after her, grabbed her. And she started screaming. And she tried to fight off the guy. But not only was he bigger than she, but he was stronger And he basically raped her. And he was vile to her, used bad language. And he said, if you call the police, I'm going to come back and kill you and all these horrible things. And she tried to run out of the house to get even away from him. And he grabbed her and pushed her down and he left the house. And that's when she called me. And I said, okay, I'll come over right away. Just be calm, be calm. She says, come quickly, come quickly. And fortunately, I literally lived four blocks away from her. Drove over there. I had a key to her house because she and I had this arrangement that we each should have each other's keys. I went in. She was like, I mean, hysterical crying, and I had to calm her down. And I said, look, we got to go to the hospital. You can't stay here. And first she didn't want to go. She said, no, I don't want to go to the hospital. I said, but you have to because you've been raped. And it was almost as if she didn't even remember that really she was raped. It was kind of like everything happened so fast. But I got her dressed. We went out. We went to the hospital. Of course, I really couldn't be there where they checked her out and all that. But there was one thing I said to myself. I saw the damage that was done to her, not just physical damage, but mental damage. And I said to myself, this is never going to happen to me. And I made that decision right then and there. And I said, I'm going to get a gun. But first I knew not just to get a gun, but I knew I had to find a place to get a gun, number one. And two, I had to learn how to shoot a gun. And I started calling up some of my men friends. What do I do? I want to learn how to shoot. Unfortunately, there was a friend of mine who had a gun and he said, calm down, calm down. The next Saturday, we'll go to this gun store and we'll look at guns. And it wasn't even, we'll buy a gun, we'll look at a gun. Okay, I got up the nerve to go with him to this small gun store around the LA area. And the man was very kind. I explained to him very briefly why I was there. And I didn't know anything about names of guns, companies, or anything like that. And he said, Look, You should start with a semi-automatic, a gun that you have to actually pull the trigger and all that, a revolver. And he said, I recommend that you get a 38 Special Revolver. And then he showed me some different brands, and I like this Smith & Wesson. 
I think I liked it because I heard the name Smith and Wesson and a lot of the other guns are names I'd never heard of. I mean, that's how dumb. I know I shouldn't say dumb. That I didn't know anything about guns like a lot of women. And so the whole idea of guns and I'm going to buy a gun and all that. And there's a waiting period in Los Angeles. They check you out. And I couldn't really, at that point, go and shoot the gun. He didn't have a place. There are some stores that are connected to ranges, so you can go ahead and try the gun out. But I put it in my hand, and it felt comfortable, and I, I could pull the trigger and all that. And I said, okay, and he told me to come back in two weeks. And I came back in two weeks with my friend and bought some ammo, and I got ear protection, eye protection. Do I have to buy some different clothes or something like that? He said, no, 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 just wear jeans. And he recommended a place to go. And I liked it. It was not an indoor range. It was an outdoor range. And I felt comfortable. And I picked out some targets. They have bullseye targets, but I wanted a target with a man on it. And there was one that's really kind of ferocious. I said, good, that's what I want. And at first, it was difficult. It really was. I had to learn first how to load a gun and how to unload a gun. And that's not easy. It takes time. And I did that. And then, okay, it was time for me to actually put the bullets in the gun, close down the gun, and put it up and pull the trigger. And my friend warned me that it's going to have a kick. Just hold it. I have to hold it real tightly, but hold it firmly. And I did that. And I hit the target. (laughs) And I was really happy. I thought maybe it'll go up in the air or something like that. But no, it didn't. And I had one shot in one shoulder and one shot in the other shoulder and one in the stomach. They were all over the place. And the idea is what you learn to do is you want to shoot to what is called the center of mass, which is the chest area. Because what you want to do is not kill the bad guy. You want to stop the person. And so I learned how to do that. I was probably there at the range a total of three hours and I felt good. And I got my target. I had actually two targets and I came home and I'm walking around the place saying, I shot a gun. I shot a gun. And I called up my friend. She said, oh my God, what have you done? I said, no, no, this is important. And I think it's sometime you should do it. She said, no, I don't want to go near a gun. I said, well, okay, I'm going to do it. And I talked to lots of friends and most of them said I was crazy, absolutely crazy. And I just said to them, I saw what happened to my friend. This is not going to happen to me. And it was with great fortitude that I decided that I would find out more about guns and actually take a gun course. And I took one course, was with a lineup of people. I was getting better and better, and I was talking to people. And it was an all-woman's class, so everyone was comfortable in talking about some of their fears and all that. And fortunately today, there are more and more female shooting classes than ever before. When I was there, which is going back more than 20 years ago, there weren't as many shooting ranges, one, or special ones where women can learn how to shoot. And that's what I recommend to all of my students that that's what they should do. 
And then I decided, okay, I'm now going to go for the big time. And there are a lot of <laughs> places that you can go where you can really learn how to be a bodyguard. I went to all these fantastic schools. They gave it to me free because what happened, and I'm going back a bit, is that since I was a writer, I was able to contact a publicist and an editor and all that that does books, et cetera, et cetera. And I told them about the book. They said, write up what you'd like the book to be about, and we'll see if we can sell it. And I had to put together two chapters, which took a long time, and I got a publisher. And they said, go out and do whatever you have to do. And they gave me some money. And I went ahead and took these most fabulous courses that are out there, where not only do you learn how to shoot a gun, but if you really want to get out there, there are bodyguard shoot schools where you can learn to drive cars. And that's really loads of fun and shoot out from cars and this and that. And <laughs> I tell you, it was so much fun that I can't tell it. And I was getting it all free on top of it. So after I did that, I started writing the book and talking to more and more people, interviewing women. Women were telling me about, I have a friend that has a gun. You can interview her. I talked about women of all ages. I mean, obviously women who were 20 years old and up that had experiences where they used a gun in self-defense. I learned about security in general about what happens when you go into a hotel and what you can do to be safe in a hotel. I have a chapter about children and guns and how to keep your guns safe. And even at a certain age to take the child out and learn how to shoot. So my book is called Armed and Female Roman Numeral Two, because my first one was Armed and Female Roman Numeral One, and it says never an easy target. And because it was the first book out there about women and guns, I have to tell you that I was on Oprah Winfrey show. I was on 60 Minutes. And with 60 Minutes, they came out and shot. I shouldn't say shot, but they filmed me teaching the women how to shoot and interviewing the women and obviously interviewing me. So it was quite fun. I was on NBC Nightly News, CBS News, ABC. I was in, written up in so many magazines. It was like shocking. And that was because, fortunately for me and for my readers, it was the first book that was directed toward women. And I'm proud to say that it came out in hardcover, E.P. Dutton, and then it went into paperback. And I sold about 100,000 books, I know, give or take, over the years. And then I decided that things right now have changed drastically since those years. And I said, it's time for me to write a new book. And this is the book that's come out. And it's been really loads of fun for me to talk to people because now women want to learn about guns. And a lot of them are because, as I said in the beginning, they're independent. They work late at night, as I said before. They have children. And so they have become the protectors rather than being the protected one. And I think that this will go on and on for a while. And interestingly enough, at first, most of the women that were buying guns were white women. 
and most of them were from the South and some from the, the West Coast and, of course, Texas and places, Oklahoma. But now it's all over the map. And there's a great many Black women who are now buying guns and Asian women. And they're really, uh, surprisingly enough, there's no really accurate figure about how many women own guns, but it's more than a million, way more than a million in the United States. Are there any statistics or any way to quantify the before and after of having a gun? That was one thing that came up as you're sharing these stories. And thank you so much for detailing your whole journey. It's really fascinating. And I'm curious, statistically, and for other women, but also for you, like, what was it like before you learned about guns? And then what has it been like since you had one? Is it a matter of feeling more confident and prepared? Are there situations, I mean, I guess you never really know, like what would happen if you had a gun versus if you didn't have one, right? Like, for example, your friend who inspired you, do you think that the circumstances would have been different? You can't use your gun because there are people around you and you don't want to shoot other people. So that's a consideration. And that's what you're also taught when you take a class, that just because you have a gun in your purse or in your pocket, you may not be able to use it for one reason or the other. So it's not an easy thing to say, oh yeah, go out and learn how to shoot a gun, get a gun, and you'll be safe. Because that would be be lying to somebody. There's so many different situations out there. But just learning how to shoot a gun does something for a woman, for a woman. Because for women, still today, there are a lot of people who I'm not comfortable about it. And when you learn how to shoot and you can say, yeah, I know how to shoot a gun and I know how to shoot this gun and that gun. And that is empowering itself to make you a stronger woman. And I think all the things that we're looking for now in women is strong women who can assert themselves. And part of that you can get from learning how to shoot a gun. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, I don't really know how to shoot a gun. And this conversation is really inspiring me. But I think I've had blocks because I've thought about it before. I've talked to actually a female friends of mine about going to a range just to learn. And yet something has prevented me from doing it. For Maybe I just don't feel like it's a priority or maybe I have some internalized fear or bias around guns. Probably all the things you're saying There's truth in that. There are a lot of things going on that you've learned about and all that. And so you have to make the decision, okay, I've been in this turmoil. Am I going to do it or I'm not going to do it? And if I'm going to do it, at least learn how to shoot a gun. You want to know why? You might be in a situation that there'll be a gun there and you won't know anything about it. You won't know how to even check to see if it's loaded or unloaded. You'll be coming from such a disadvantage. So I would say to you, give up all your demons you have and say, yeah, why not? Look, you're doing a show. Did you ever think when you were 18 years old that that's what you would be doing right now? No, of course not. And you're doing it and you're doing it well. So it's the same thing with a gun, really. That's really helpful. And I like the positioning because there's a lot of controversies around guns, especially in the United States. And I'd be really curious to hear your perspectives 
on that because I'm someone that in general believes in the gray areas and the pros and cons of things. I'm not a very rigid person. And I think the gun issue from where I stand, and again, this is coming from a lot of ignorance, is perhaps regulation, perhaps it's a mental health issue, perhaps it's that many of us do have so much ignorance. I mean, for someone like me, how could I have an opinion about guns when I don't know anything about them? And it's a complicated issue. So I'm kind of curious, how do you navigate it? I imagine this question comes up often in your work because the United States can be so polarized in terms of how we view things like gun ownership. So how do you navigate that? And has your opinion changed as you've learned about shooting guns? Well, a gun isn't for everybody, number one. What bothers me, and you hear about it every day, that someone has a gun and has gone out and shot, for whatever reason, five kids or a whole family. And I don't like hearing that. I really don't. And I would like it to be utopia. I keep saying, oh, if we could only get rid of every gun. But that's not possible. It's just not possible. And and, and fortunately, there's an underground movement. You can buy a gun without having to go to a gun store, or you can break into somebody's home and get a gun. There are lots of guns in the United States, lots, millions. They're available. And the only way would be if we lived in a dictatorship and people would go house to house and not only take guns away, but might take other things away from you. And even if they took one gun away from you, you may have hidden in your basement somewhere another gun. So the situation is very difficult. And I think this point There's really no answer. I mean, in Congress now, there's some bills going on that people shouldn't be able to purchase a gun until they're 22 years old. But what's the difference between when you're 19 years old and you're 22 or 16 and 22? If you've got that kind of anger within you or psychological problems and just go shoot whomever or you get angry at somebody and go ahead and shoot them. So it's a complicated issue. So For me, I would love it if we lived in utopia. God, it would be wonderful. Everyone would be happy. That's not the case. And so that's why it seems right now, and maybe I'm wrong, but it seems like things on some level getting worse in the United States. And that's why I think now you're finding more women realizing that, yeah, things are getting worse and we're out there and we're alone. We've got to take care of ourselves or our families and all that. And so that's the impetus for a lot of women wanting to learn how to shoot a gun, to take care of themselves and their family and friends. I don't see any way out of it. I really don't. And I hate to be negative like this, but I think it's just part of our culture. People who have been in the army have a gun, although I know some people who haven't been in the army and they have guns, but they're in a situation where they are constantly under danger. So there's no easy answer as far as I'm concerned. So I can't help you. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that it's so complex that we often look for singular solutions. And if we can just put this law into place, I think it is a bigger issue of safety and protection, which is what you're working on altogether. It's like, do we take the avenue of trying to stay away from something and try to outlaw things? Or do we say, okay, this is the state of things. Now we all need to 
learn more about what's happening as opposed to try to prevent it when prevention might not be a possible thing. I don't know. And even that doesn't feel like an easy avenue. <laughs> I shall tell you, in my book, however, I have a chapter on non-lethal options for self-defense. It's not just all about guns. I talk about pepper spray. If you're carrying around the pepper spray, that can be good. There are mini batons out there that can be used if you learn how to use them. And more importantly, there are a lot of classes, karate classes. There's a wonderful class that I took a long time ago, and I took a beginning level and a secondary and advanced level called model mugging. Well, you learn how to fight. You learn, for example, that the best place to be if you're attacked is to be on the ground, because what happens is the bad person has to go down to the ground, and you learn how to use your legs, your feet, your elbows your fingernails. I mean, you really learn how to fight. And a lot of women enjoy it. And, and the model mugger is wearing a padded uniform, including a big, big head. I mean, encasement, because you can go ahead. The most important thing is if you can maneuver yourself around and kick the guy in the head. It's called an axe kick, where you come down on your heel and you just heal that guy. So what I'm telling your listeners is, yes, there are guns, but there are also other ways of protecting yourself also. Because one, you may not have your gun with you. And so you, for me, you got to do both. You got to learn how to fight and learn how to shoot a gun. That's so important. And I actually took a self-defense class about a month or so ago. And somebody dressed up with all the padding. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting. It ties into a lot of what you've been speaking about today is it was so important for me to go and practice because I've been privileged to have never been in a situation. I've never been mugged. I've never been attacked or assaulted physically at least. And so being in that situation where I had to kick somebody in the groin was Mm -hmm. very difficult different than I think I had imagined because it's a human being Mm -hmm. and I'm trying to protect myself. And that means I have to cause some sort of pain to somebody else to get them to stop and leave me alone. And it was just much different than I thought. And another reason why I'm interested in going to a gun range is because I've only held a few guns in my hands a few times in my life. And I've held some toy guns, but I don't know how much different than what are the different ways. Oh, it's and, very you know, it's you, yeah. big, big difference. Yeah. Yes. Just in terms of weight. Absolutely. And like you're saying, I mean, the, all the different styles of guns, brand, I mean. Calibers, yes. Yeah. There's a 45, there's a 38, there's a 380. There are little bullets and then there are big bullets. Yeah. Do you have tips in the book about what do you do if somebody points a gun at you? I mean, that's been a question for me, which we didn't cover in my self-defense class. Like just even having the awareness of seeing somebody with a gun, I've never experienced that in a dangerous situation. I've seen friends who have had guns, but I don't know what it would feel like if somebody was pointing a gun at me or someone else near me and I was witnessing that. It's a very hard decision. Because you can't really move toward the person unless you really feel you can move him and knock that person down. Because if you go toward him to fight him, he'll hit you. 
He could kill you. He'll shoot you. The best thing is to be as quiet as possible and see if you can talk with the person. What do you want? I'll give you my money. What do you want? And look the person in their eyes and don't yell at them. You can't yell at them because you don't know what their mental state is. And you can't start really necessarily crying. Although I've heard of women who've started crying and it's worked. The guy, for whatever reason, got scared and maybe had some sense of knowing what he was doing was wrong. But it's a very, very hard situation when you're face-to-face with someone that's pointing a gun at you. And some people talk about if you're going to run away, run in a zigzag situation. Don't run straight, but run zigzag, zigzag, because it's much harder for a person to shoot. Again, a lot depends on the situation. A lot depends on the person. A lot depends on how old they are. And some things work and some things don't. And if you're lucky, the person will turn around and go away or let you go away. It's scary. That's all I can say. I bet. And do you feel like your confidence has gone up even when you aren't carrying a gun? Like if you were in a situation like that with everything you've learned about guns, would just knowing more about them or feeling like you've done so much work to protect yourself that it's not necessarily about having the gun in your hand anymore? Is it about the psychological impact that you've learned over the past 20 years? Well, I think you have to make this kind of quick decision as to whom the person is. I mean, is he going to kill you for whatever reason? Or is there some way that you can go ahead and bargain with that person? Some people start crying. That helps. You can't say that there's just one thing you can do, but you certainly don't want to go toward the person. As a matter of fact, if you can start backing away in any sort of way to the left or the right. And also, it depends also who's around you. If there's nobody around you, you can't even scream or yell. You don't know the psychology of the person because sometimes you can say, God damn you, what are you trying to do to me? And get angry at them. And they see your fury. And you can scare somebody. You're taking a chance. But if you have that impulse to do that and you think that's the only thing I have left is to start yelling at him, he may back away. But you don't know that. Yeah. So that's something that you learn in a class. And it depends. Where is your gun? Is your gun in a gun purse? There are now a lot of gun purses that you can just slide your hand in. There are a lot of women at night, and I've done this, where I'm walking down the street and I've got my gun in my purse and I have my hand on the gun, literally have my hand there so that I could take out the gun if necessary. Again, it depends what neighborhood you're in, how many people are around you. The best thing I can say to people is the best thing is not to be walking on a sidewalk, but get to a street where you have a chance to run better than when you're on a sidewalk. There are so many things that you can learn in a really good self-defense class. So I started out first on a shooting range, and then I went to the next step and the next step and the next step in terms of learning how even to look in a room. It's always good when you walk into a big room to look around the room, assess the situation. Where are the exits? 
Can I get to that? What's behind me? Who's there? Just got a, a feeling of what's going on. Because when event going on and some crazy guy comes in, you want to know where the nearest exit is to try to get to the exit, to get out of there. So learning to shoot a gun is just one step in terms of self-protection. It can go on actually for a lifetime that you'll learn more and more things of what to do. And depending on where you are to how you have to think. Yeah, the thinking part of it is really what I'm very fascinated by because I started doing a lot of traveling by myself a few years ago. And since then, a lot of people, mainly women, have expressed concern. Do you feel safe traveling by yourself? And I've traveled all around the world. I feel like I've been safe. Like I said, I have not been in a very scary situation. I've been in, in moments that I've wondered if I was safe, but I didn't even have the alarm bells go off, the intuition. And yet I started to think maybe this is ignorance. Maybe I don't realize when I'm in danger and what else don't I know? And so the conversations like this are so interesting because it's about arming yourself with knowledge, not just arming yourself with a weapon of some sort. And I'm curious, Paxton, with your research and all this time you've spent, do you feel like things are really dangerous for women or is it that there's a cultural expectation that is dangerous? Like, is it truly dangerous or do we just think it's dangerous? Well, I think it depends on the location more so than anything else. If you're at a wedding, it's not likely that anything will happen. If you're out on the street, what street is it? Is it in a neighborhood that's not so good? Are you out walking on the street at 11 o'clock or 12 o'clock and there's nobody on the street? Yeah, then that's dangerous. But in general, you can't become paranoid. Otherwise, you'll go crazy. Every person on the street will be somebody who's a possibility that they're going to hurt you. And in most cases, that's not true. I think the most difficult is when women are traveling and when they're traveling alone. That's when it's not an easy task. You're alone. You may have to go up and ask somebody, where is such and such a theater or something like that? It's hard for you if you're in uh, Czechoslovakia, let's say, something like that, where you don't speak the language and you don't know what to do. That's why I have this one chapter, which I think is really, really important for women, is security while traveling. Because you drive up to a motel, you park your car, you don't know who's in the next car or watching you. You get the key, you're at the door and you turning the key and there's someone behind you and he pushes you in and that's it. One of the things what I recommend, especially for women and even for men, that if you're going to be in a motel, the best thing is to ask the person behind the desk, can you walk me to my room? And in most cases, they will because they understand about women's situations, the potential problems that they can have. And so even when you're on a train, you have to be wary of what's going on. If you're traveling by train, who's observing you? A lot of people observe before they attack. They're looking for people who aren't, shall we say, with it. When I get on a bus, I always look around, look at the people. I don't stare. I just get a general feeling. Oh, I don't want to stand here. I'll stand there. 
So you've got to have this kind of internal training when you're alone of what you have to do, even if it's in the safest place. You can walk into a woman's bathroom, public bathroom, and there can be someone in a stall just waiting for you to come in and he comes out. I mean, and even the story of your friend that you shared at the beginning, sadly, she was safe or she thought she was safe in her home. Yeah. How does a story like that impact you knowing that certainly we have all these ideas around what's safe, but if incidents like that can happen in what we think is the safest place in our lives, it can feel really scary. Well, you have to take certain precautions. She shouldn't have had her window open. It should have been locked. You should have a double lock on your bedroom door. You should have a solid core door. And even if you live in an apartment and the building doesn't have a solid core wooden door, you should go out and get one because it's very easy. If it's like a closet door, that's not a solid core door unless it's one where you're keeping your safe is in there or something like that. It's very easy to break down a door unless it's a solid core door. So it depends on your lifestyle and what you do. And you have to really know yourself. What can I do? what I think I can do, and what I can't do. And a lot of women will not go traveling alone like you. They'd be fearful. But more women are traveling alone. And hopefully, they have taken some kind of course in traveling alone, and what to do and what not to do, and what to say and what not to say. And that's also in my book. I have that all. So it's not just guns. It's also taking care of yourselves. Like one woman said, I'm not going to buy that book. It's about guns. I said, well, let me show you this chapter. And she said, oh, you have that chapter in there. Oh, okay. I'm going to buy the book. And I'll look at the other chapters. And she felt at ease. It's not all about guns. Mm, Stuff like that. Yeah. It's very compelling. And this work is so important as you've outlined today. There's so much to know. I think you had mentioned how times have changed in the past 20 years. And I would love to hear a little bit more about what has changed in this time. One thing that comes up for me is our devices. When you were talking about being aware of your surroundings, I think that probably makes us extremely vulnerable because many people are on their phones all the time. It's a complete distraction. And I think phones, various devices are amazing tools. But if they're causing us to be disconnected, we're walking down the street, checking our email and text message, listening to music even, you're not aware of who's around you. You're not paying attention to how to escape a situation. And I think that has the potential to put us in very risky, dangerous situations. Not to mention these devices are expensive and you're just showing that you have something of value that somebody could come and steal from you. And I see women and men and all the time walking down the street. I'm sorry. I wonder sometimes why they don't bump into people. And I don't know what they're reading. I always want to ask, what are you reading that's so important that you can't look ahead? To me, that's a dumb person, really. If you've got to text somebody, go somewhere, sit down or find a place rather than walking down the street with your head down, texting Talk about an easy target, right? That's like the opposite of your book. Oh, yeah, you bet. (laughs) Are there any other changes that you've seen in the past 20 years that have impacted and changed? I mean, I think you were outlining that from the standpoint that women now feel more interested 
is that correlating with changes that are happening and inspiring women? Or is it that we've just made a lot of advancements in how we view women and more equality, essentially? Oh, there's obviously more equality. There are many women that are making much more money than men are. We're finally coming into our own. And I think women are stronger than ever and will be even stronger. And you'll see more women in higher places and someday be president of the United States and head of the U.S. Supreme Court and all that. So it's a natural progression. And I don't know what will happen in the gun movement in terms of more women we wanting to carry a gun because they're fearful or not. It might come to the point that women are stronger than the men <laughs> in some ways. But I think currently now, there's a lot of upheaval happening in the United States as well as in the rest of the world. I think people are getting a little bit concerned and are saying, I don't like guns, but I think I would feel safer having one just in case. That's how I feel, just in case. Not to be having it out there in the open, you know, I'm a gun-toting woman or something like that. I hope that will never happen. I hope we'll continue to have our femininity and all that. So I think it's just a change in what's happening in the United States. And I personally think it's good that women are now learning how to protect themselves, realizing that they can't rely on a man. And in some cases, they might have to help a man who's been accosted or something like that. There are cases like that out there where a woman has saved a man because she had a gun. It's not a one-way street. So I feel good about what's happening in the United States. And I think that there will be more and more women learning how to shoot a gun and not necessarily buying a gun, because even if there's a gun somewhere on a table, they will know and find out if it's loaded or unloaded or whatever. So I think it's part of the longstanding liberation of women. I'm grateful for your perspective on all of this. And I'm curious, do you have an intention to write another book and continue exploring the subject matter? Are you educating yourself too? What's next for you? Oh, I'm going to go in a very different direction. <laughs> really? Like what? Yeah, my, my next book, which I've been working out, it's titled now Just Try Me, but it's a novel. And it's about a woman who goes ahead and does a lot of fabulous things. <laughs> That sounds yeah, great. I'm going, into, I'm going into fiction now. <laughs> so you're ready to take a break from writing about this. But what about for you and your personal life? Are there more things that you would like to learn about guns and self-defense and safety? Or do you feel like you've covered your bases? I'd like to learn to not be fearful. Because even today, even though I have a gun, I still have fear in me. I think about it in terms of that I'm cautious, but I would like to be in a place where it would be utopia and you could walk down the street and not have to say, should I cross the street because I see this man coming up and I don't like the way he looks because I've done that rather than walking toward him and who knows what's going to happen. I've crossed the street. It would be nice if that wouldn't happen, but that's maybe utopia. So I'm going to keep my ears and eyes and my hands and my legs in good shape <laughs> to run if I have to. And I think it's really important for women to use their bodies more, work out. I've been working out with dumbbells 
with weights since I've been 16 years old. I started doing it. And I work out three times a week. And it makes you feel good, too. So that's what I'm doing right now. <laughs> and I think it shows the humanity in you that you still have fear despite how much you've done, how much you've learned. I mean, if we didn't have fear, you have have would we fear. be human? Yeah. yeah, it's a natural response to life. And there's a lot of stimulus going on, a lot of different people. And I am so amazed by what you've done for yourself and how you're educating others. It's really empowering, inspiring. It's certainly getting my wheels turning and giving me that nudge to learn more because as I've said, I really want to be prepared. I want to learn a lot. And guns are one of the areas that I just have not explored. And the way that you've spoken about it today, Paxson, has really been motivating for me. So thank you so much. And I can't wait to dive deeper into the books. And for the listener, if you're interested in that after this conversation, even if you're not into guns, I love that little story you shared, Paxson, about how a woman bought the book to read just because of the other details in it. It wasn't right. even about the guns. And I think that's so yes. important too. There's so important. much in there. Yes. So for the it's a small encyclopedia about how to be a stronger woman, Ooh. which includes guns. And it's available on Amazon right now. And I hope people will purchase it there. Yes. Wonderful. And I'll make it really easy and put the link in two places for the listener. One is right here on your podcast player in the section, usually underneath it, or if you click a see more button, there's a description with links right there to Paxton's work and her books and other ways to get in touch. And then if you would like to see more details and everything we covered today, there is a blog post based on this episode on my website at wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com, also linked in your podcast player. If you click that, you'll find all the details. You can review some of the things that Paxson shared today, and you can find every single link to her books and her social media and other ways to get in touch at the bottom of that page. So trying to make it easy for you to take the next step if you're feeling as motivated as I am today. Paxson, thank you so much for being here today, but also for the work that you do in the world. It's really valuable. And I'm grateful that you took the time to share today. Thank you. And I enjoyed talking with you. And I want to say to you, please be safe and safe to all of your listeners and readers. Thanks for listening and getting out of your comfort zone with us today. For show notes and more high-performance resources to help you thrive, go to wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com.